Emma, if you just want to leave up Jeremiah 1, verse 10, uh, that's where we're going to sit uh, for the duration here, just on that one verse uh, this whole time. Can you believe it? Um, uh, this is a super interesting verse. It's really important in the life of Jeremiah, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, that is, uh, because it's gonna, uh, these words are going to appear over and over and over again. Um, what, what we see here is uh, essentially Jeremiah's job description. Uh, this is what he's supposed to do. This is what he's invited into by God himself. Uh, but what we, what we also see is a, a description of how God works. Uh, just see this, right? God's not going to ask Jeremiah to do something that he himself doesn't do. So, so if he's saying, hey, Jeremiah, I want you to be a person that plucks up and breaks down, destroys and overthrows, builds and plants. God's saying, hey, I'm a type of God who plucks up and breaks down, destroys and overthrows, builds and plants. Uh, and so we just have to see this, that, uh, that some of those things... Um, might make us a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> uh, when we think about God doing them to me, right, to us. So um, we want to spend a little bit of time with each one of those words and, uh, and then kind of think about what happens if some of those things or all of those things are missing uh, in our view of God. So, so check this out, right? Uh, the word to pluck up uh, is a word that means, you know, you picture a shovel and then you dig in the, in the dirt and you turn over the dirt, Right? Now, you do that for a good reason, uh, because you want to plant something, and when you, when you turn over the dirt, you can see a bunch of things that might uh, get in the way of what you're planting. So you, you turn the dirt over, and you pull out rocks, and you pull out weeds, right? things that shouldn't be there, uh, because those things are going to get in the way of whatever you're trying to plant. Makes a whole lot of sense, and we understand that. We like that in the gardening sense, but when we think about God doing that to me, it makes us uncomfortable. To think about a God who's going to come and dig up parts of my life and turn it over so that he can pull out the, the bad things and let good things grow in its place, that's uncomfortable. Uh, and then we see the second uh, part of the job description is to break down. <laughs> uh, to break down, you're, you're thinking really about a city structure, either a tower or a wall, something like that. And so uh, I, I kind of think about like a, a city planner, right? And they're looking at this neighborhood, and in the neighborhood they, they see one city block that, that's just kind of in disrepair. It, uh, uh, it has uh, several structures on it that, uh, uh, that, 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 that have not been used in quite some time. They're, they're worn down, it's an eyesore. Um, and, and really, the, the city planner makes a recommendation to the city that those structures should be torn down so that something better could be built in its place. Again, it makes all kinds of sense, and we understand the long-term benefit, but when we think about God coming and, and breaking down something in my life, taking out the eyesores, taking out the things that aren't useful so that something better can be built in its place, it's uncomfortable. Uh, the word to destroy is kind of what we talked about earlier with the kids chat and the opening question is just to knock over something. Uh, the word to overthrow uh, means that you bring something to complete ruin. <laughs> you bring something to complete ruin. So, so what we're thinking about there is, uh, is the process of taking something that is useless and bring it to complete ruin, just completely eliminating it so that something useful could take its place. When we think about God coming and looking at our lives and our hearts and saying, hey, this thing is useless, let's get rid of that. We understand the long-term benefit, but it's awfully uncomfortable. 
<laughs> um, I have this way of like holding on to things that I used to do. I don't know about you. Um, but sometimes uh, there are useless things in my life that I have a hard time letting go of. Like paying attention to sports scores. It's not really all that useful, but I keep holding on to it. Um, Facebook maybe is another one for some of us. Um, all kinds of things that aren't really all that useful, but we have a tendency to try to hold on to them. And, and so when God comes and says, hey, that's kind of a useless thing, I'm going to completely overthrow that, that's uncomfortable. Uh, the last two words are probably what we would uh, uh, say are more positive, uh, more encouraging. We like these last two words a little bit more. Um, to build something is, of course, to build a, a structure within a city, build a tower, build a wall. Uh, but it also, uh, interestingly, is kind of a family word uh, throughout Scripture, uh, especially in the Old Testament. So when we see God promising to build people up, it's really this kind of sense of like adding to their number. So a mom and a dad have a baby, and they've just built up their family. So, so see this, right? When God promises to build up, what he's saying is, I'm going to add to your number. I'm going to increase the size of your tribe which in the Old Testament is massively important, right? The bigger your tribe is, uh, the more power and influence you're going to have. So to build up means that uh, essentially that, that God is saying, look, I'm going to build up your capacity. I'm going to increase your capacity to influence the world around you, right? It's, a, it's an incredible promise. And then we get this last word is to plant. And, uh, and, and we kind of think, you know, just the, you know, put a seed in the ground, cover it up and water it, right? Wait for the the thing to grow. Uh, but but uh, it kind of has a, a longer term view than that. This word uh, has, has this kind of sense of like to establish it. So it's not just to plant it, but, but to plant it and take care of it so that it has like a strong root system to, to establish it, to, to let it be firmly rooted in the ground so that it's not easily blown over, so that it's not easily destroyed, uh, so that it, uh, it, it is, is firm and it, and, it, and it lasts a long time. Another word that we really enjoy when we think about God doing that in my own life. So six things, six job descriptions uh, for Jeremiah, and, uh, and at the same time, six ways that God says, hey, this is how I work. Now, something kind of interesting happens uh, when we look at those uh, six things. Uh, I'm guessing that your heart is probably pulled to one or two of them particularly. Anybody else? That's kind of what we do, and this is what people have done throughout history. Uh, we kind of just, you know, God is so big and he's so beyond our comprehension that what we tend to do is, uh, is we kind of tend to lean towards one thing or two things, and we get sort of a narrow view of who God is and how he works in the world. And when we do that, we end up um, having not as strong of a relationship with God as we desire or as he would desire. So for the next several minutes, we're going to try to picture and think through what happens uh, if God does none of these six things. What happens if God does some of these things, but not all of them? And then at the end, we'll rejoice and we'll celebrate that our God is a God who does all six of these things. Uh, so I need a volunteer uh, to come on up. Just, just one at this point. Uh, it, it's easy. Uh, you'll just be up here the longest of all the other volunteers. Just pop on up. Thank you. You're a good man. Um, let's see. Can you get the... I'm so sorry that... Uh, well, I'm not sorry, but this is, is going to be good. Um, just hand that mirror to Matt. Yeah. So, um, just, 
<laughs> just kind of do one of these, right? Hold it out in front of you and kind of admire yourself. <laughs> no, admire yourself. <laughs> All right, we're going to pretend that Matt is admiring himself. Um, uh, uh, one thing that happens, right, if we live, if we believe and we act like God does none of these things, then what's going to happen is, is we end up with kind of this indifferent attitude towards God. Uh, in the book of Jeremiah, this is probably the nations. Uh, Jeremiah speaks to primarily two groups of people. He speaks to the nations, right, which is the world. And then he speaks to uh, the people of God, Judah, Jerusalem. And uh, the nations are indifferent towards God. They don't know who God is. They don't know his story. They don't know how God works. And so they don't believe or act like God does any of these things. And so for them, right, God is distant and God is removed. He's uninvolved. So essentially, they are on their own. The, the only solution to their problems and the problems in the world, the only solution that they know of is the thing they're looking at in the mirror. And so they, uh, they, they admire themselves and they look at themselves uh, because they don't even know who God is. Sometimes our relationship with God looks like this. I'd say for most of us in the room, probably only hours or, or chunks of a day at a time. But, but just see this, right? When, when we don't come back to God on a regular basis and say, hey, what do you want from me right now? When we fail to, to pay attention to, to what God desires, then we're basically just living with that kind of indifferent attitude. I'm on my own. I can just kind of do whatever I want. Maybe God's out there. That's fine. But but I'm just going to keep moving through my day. Sometimes our relationship with God looks like this, and we fail to believe and act like God plucks up and breaks down and destroys and overthrows and builds up and plants. I need another volunteer. Come on up. You don't have to look at yourself in a mirror. Don't worry. Thanks, Chuck. Come on over, uh, just kind of stand uh, semi uh, um, next to Matt there. And, and what I need you to do is, is just kind of pat yourself on the back. Excellent. Um, uh, you can even do two hands if you want. That's what we did. And, oh, well, you can, you can just, uh, it doesn't matter, just pat yourself on the back. Yep. So um, uh, this is what life looks like. This is how we live if we believe and we act like God does some of these things, but not all of them. Uh, specifically, we believe that God builds up and plants, but he doesn't do all that other stuff. Um, we believe that God is all mercy and all grace. He's all love. He forgives, so I can do whatever I want, even if it's the worst thing for me. Uh, in the book of Jeremiah, this is the people of God at the beginning of Jeremiah's ministry. They're just kind of living with this, with this privileged um, attitude, this cozy attitude, this comfortable attitude that says, yeah, we're good. They're doing a couple of different things, right? Uh, first of all, they look at their city, the city of Jerusalem, and they say, this city of Jerusalem is our mighty fortress. And they're placing their false hope and confidence in the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's not their mighty fortress. God is their mighty fortress. It says that over and over again to them in the Old Testament. Um, 
Uh, they're, they're doing that with some kind of good reason. Uh, they're living in a time of history when the northern kingdom, uh, the northern uh, people of God, have been eliminated. They've been wiped out, and their city of Jerusalem is still strong and standing. And so they're kind of feeling prideful. They're kind of feeling privileged, and they're saying, yeah, we're good. God loves us. We're still standing. We're good to go. They're looking at the temple and they're saying, look, we're doing all the right things. See, we're offering sacrifices. We're, we're following the rituals. We're doing the ceremonies. And because we're doing all those things, because of what I'm doing, God loves us. So they start doing stuff like worshiping idols, little carbon images made by the hands of men. They place their hope and their trust in things like that. They, they literally and blatantly break every single one of the Ten Commandments and more. They start doing whatever they want because they just imagine, oh, we're good. God is a God who builds up and he plants, he loves, he's all mercy, he's all grace, so I can do whatever I want whenever I want to do it. Sometimes our relationship with God looks like this. And uh, <laughs> uh, we forget that God has standards, that he has expectations for how we do life. Sometimes this plays out in our life where we sort of say, um, I've heard that story 60 billion times. There's nothing else for me to learn from it when we look at scripture. And we have this privileged, prideful spirit. Uh, Jeremiah comes along and he says, hey, don't forget that God is a God who plucks up and breaks down, who destroys and overthrows. Need another volunteer? A third one? I'll wait all day. It's all good. I got all the time in the world. It's like, I'm not in a rush. I just, just wait. Uh, you can stand on the other side of Matt. It doesn't really matter. Uh, let me think about this. Uh, you are um, distressed or stressed. So if you would just kind of slump your shoulders a little bit and look like you are distressed, um, this is what happens, uh, a different angle. Uh, this is what happens when we, uh, again, think that God, believe and act like God does some of these things, but not all of them. But this is the more negative side, right? This is the, the type of spirit and person that believes and acts like God only plucks up and breaks down, destroys and overthrows. This is the people of God uh, towards the end of Jeremiah's ministry. After they've been taken into exile, uh, they understand their sin. They know what they should have done. They know what they didn't do. And they know that they're living out the consequences, the judgment for their sin. And so fully aware of their sin, they kind of have this spirit that says, I'm not good enough and I'll never be good enough for God. All that God does is have heavy demands. He's a, he's a judgmental king who stands with arms crossed waiting for me to screw up. Um, God only plucks up and breaks down, destroys and overthrows. He only has words of challenge for me. And Jeremiah comes along and he says, oh no, this isn't the final stage of our life with God. God also comes and he builds up and he plants. He restores. He brings new life. Um, sometimes our relationship with God looks like this because we wake up in the morning and unfortunately we know the thoughts that are in our head. 
and we know the things that are in our hearts, and we see our own weaknesses and our own sin, and we get weighed down by that, and we just think, how could God love me? Uh, one more volunteer. Thanks, Bossy. Uh, if you would just kind of stand at, uh, wherever, wherever you want, actually, uh, and, and just sort of have open hands. Uh, this is what life looks like when we believe and act like God actually does all six of these things. When we believe that we have a God who plucks up and breaks down, a God who destroys and overthrows, and a God who builds and plants, then we are receptive to whatever God has for us. Uh, we, we believe and we trust <laughs> that he loves us unconditionally, and yet at the same time, he loves us too much to leave us where we are with baggage and bad stuff in our life. And so we, uh, we, we look at God and we say, look, if there's something in me that needs to be plucked up, do it. If there's something in me that needs to be broken down, break it down. If there's something in me that needs to be overthrown, overthrow it. And, and, and please, will you do the building and planting too? And we live with open hands. Uh, would you just change uh, your posture just a little bit and kind of raise them up? And you can raise your head up too. And, uh, and this is, of course, what Jesus looks like. And see, when we believe and we act like we have a God who plucks up and breaks down, who destroys and overthrows, who builds and plants, then we see Jesus. The Gospel of John chapter 2, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Jesus is uh, standing in the temple and he begins to throw over the tables. And a whole bunch of people get really upset with him. And they say, by what authority do you do this? Show us a sign that you have the authority to actually come in here and mess up this temple. And Jesus says, I'll give you a sign. You break down this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. Do you see that language? You break down this temple, and I'll rebuild it. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to be broken down, and I'm going to be rebuilt for you. Jesus is saying, look, this is just how God works. God's going to break me down, and he's going to rebuild me three days later. God's going to destroy, and he's going to bring life. And so because we know that Jesus does this, because we know that we have a father who loves us so much that he would send his one and only son to be torn down and rebuilt, <laughs> we live with open hands. And we say, God... I know this won't be comfortable or easy, but will you do your full work in my life? Your full work. And we know that it will be good. Amen? Amen. Uh, give them a hand. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. You guys can have a seat, and uh, and we're going to pray and uh, thank God for His uh, for His work. Uh, Lord Jesus, we uh, we do give thanks. We praise you for your full work. Um, uh, sometimes it is uncomfortable to think about the things that you're doing. Um, sometimes your work brings us great joy. All too often, we get 
uh, too focused and, and too narrow of a perspective on who you are and how you work. So Lord Jesus, we just ask, will you keep us uh, with an open heart and mind? Will you keep giving us a broader and, and bigger picture of who you are so that we can rejoice, so that we can celebrate, so that we can live with open, receptive hands to your work in our lives? In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.